the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good afternoon, Southeast Houston. It is good to be with you. I am here with you live. This is Pastor John Allworth of New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. And today we are going to be talking about the uh, main portion of our message today. Excuse me. It's going to be talking about a parable that Jesus gave. It's probably the most famous parable throughout the Bible. And some of you may, and there's so many wonderful messages in this parable, and some of you may have already guessed what it's going to be, but let's go to prayer. Father God, we come to you tonight, this afternoon, with such gratitude in our hearts. Father, we just uh, lift up our people, Americans and Christians in Afghanistan, and ask that you send a your angels to put a hedge of protection around them. We lift up everyone that is suffering from COVID right now and their families. We ask that you give them comfort and peace, that you heal them. Special prayer for my father-in-law. God, we thank you for the healing that you've already accomplished. And we ask that you continue that healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, 34 through 36. Luke chapter 18, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, Two portions, Genesis 37 through 50 and James 4, 6. Wow, we got a lot to get to. So let's start out in in, uh, in Luke is just a wonderful book. You know, Luke is the only book in the Bible, um, unless we consider him the author of, of Acts as well, that is written, it's certainly the only gospel that is written by a Gentile. The rest of them were written by people that were born and were Jewish. Um, so Luke's got an interesting perspective. Uh, his message is very orderly. That's another topic for another sermon. Uh, but he set forth and attempted to uh, somewhat ironically match it to certain Jewish writings. And it's a beautiful exposition. He used things called, um, he used various poetry uh, applications that uh, we don't recognize when we read it naturally, but uh, they're recognized by Eastern writers, but in any event, that's not the point, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gospel, and it it is very detailed, and one of the portions in in chapter 15, of course, this is the story, the the parable that you may have guessed I'm going to talk about today, and primary focus is the parable of the prodigal son, or the parable of the lost son. Um, it is the only portion, one of the Gospels that includes this. But we've got to look at the context. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 15, and it starts out, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, Jesus 
is the protagonist in in the Gospels, um, and the Pharisees throughout, and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law at that point in time, the religious, the ones that were self-righteous, they're the antagonist. We see this theme throughout the Bible, throughout the Gospels, and we're going to see in this chapter, Luke chapter 14, themes of forgiveness, pride, humility, judgment, grace, repentance. I mean, there's a whole lot of the Bible that's themes that are so important, grace, uh, throughout the Bible that, that are contained in this one chapter. So Jesus first tells a parable about a hundred sheep, and uh, one of them is lost, and he talks about, you know, of course, uh, we're often referred to as, as the sheep and Jesus as the shepherd. And so doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And that's what Jesus does for us. He will, I've, you know, I, I love this chapter because I've lived it and, and he never gave up on me. Um, and we're going to get into a little bit more of that in the, in the next and in, in the parable of the prodigal son, but he, he will never give up on anyone. If you've got somebody out there that's lost right now, uh, Jesus will never give up on him. His hand is always there. So the uh, parable ends with uh, the the shepherd calling his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, you may notice here that there are 100 sheep. So we're talking about losing 1%, one sheep out of 100. And next we go to the parable of the lost coin. And this one's a short one. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Well, this coin represents a couple of things. There are a couple of different theories here. One, it's 10 coins is a, a week's worth of wages. So that's important. Some people uh, have said it's it's a day's worth of, of wages, depending on which commentary you look at. But in any event, it's, it's significant. Money was not plentiful back then for these people. They were, it was day to day. But anyway, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Now there are other commentaries that, that say that this is, these 10 coins represent a gift in marriage. And when this coin is lost, that's very significant because, um, it, it the ten coins are broken up in any event. So we've gone from one out of a hundred, the sheep, to one out of ten. Now we're at the parable of the lost son, and this is something that, or the parable of the prodigal son. This is something that all of us can identify with, because this man, uh, apparently from the story, and this story is, has resemblance to the parable of the good Samaritan, in that it seems very factual. Like Jesus may have based this on on an actual factual situation, not just a, a story used to illustrate, but something that, that he knew about, that, that, of course, he knows everything, that something that, a situation that he knew about, and he used to, to illustrate some incredible points, and we're going to get into those. And I know you've all probably read the, the parable of the prodigal son, and you've probably heard sermons on it, and I hope I hit on some things today that maybe you haven't thought about, maybe you haven't heard before. So... We can all identify with with a, a wayward child, uh, and here we have two sons, and one is lost. That's fifty percent. So, you know, and it's 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 analogous also to um, where we hear in the Bible, where we see where in Luke chapter seventeen, verses thirty four through thirty six, where we see there's one two people in bed, one is taken and one is saved. There are two people in the field. 
So we've got a 50% thing going on here. And if anybody's got two children, <laughs> if they lose any of their children, it's a, it's a big deal, obviously. But uh, one, one of two sons is obviously incredibly significant for this father. And so uh, the parable starts out, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, so we've got a young son who's rebellious, and uh, he wants to be independent. And so many of us, this is where this element of pride versus humility that we talked about last week, so many of us want to be prideful. We want to chart our own course. We want to be independent, you know. And it's one thing, I think, if if, uh, somebody goes out and makes their own way and earns it and it's different if it starts with a gift. It starts with uh, really disrespecting the father and, and asking him to divide his inheritance as though he were already dead. So we'll see later how the father treats him in return. Does he treat him with the same attitude? So not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, uh, which was given to him by his father, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. The word prodigal means excessive, extravagant, wasteful. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now, this is significant because there's no animal. Uh, pigs are, are considered disgusting in the Jewish tradition, and so he's feeding these pigs. And he's long, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs are eating. But no one gave him anything. He's not even eating as well as these disgusting animals. He's gone off. He's taken this big inheritance. He's whooped it up. He's had all the fun, wild, extravagant. You know, we can tell fleshly chasing the desires of his flesh, and he's wasted all his money. I, it's somewhat embarrassing to admit this, but uh, until I came to Christ, uh, that that analogy fits me and how I lived my life. I love the next. Verse 17, when he came to his senses or he came to himself, you know, there's always got to be a time in in the life of a Christian, at least a Christian that goes wayward, where we've got to come to our senses, where we've got to come to ourselves, where we've got to realize what are we doing? We're making terrible choices here. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Well, one good thing we see is that this wayward son, this prodigal son, this lost son, when he made up his mind, he got up and went. We see so many Christians today who have a desire, have a thought, have a feeling that I'm going to come back to God one day. So many wayward Christians, believers who have gone off and lived a life that they're not proud of anymore, made some terrible mistakes, and they resolve to come back to the Father, to come back to God, to come back to Jesus, and they keep putting it off. This is true in our addiction. We see Addicts who say they know they've got a problem, uh, if whether they admit it or not is another issue, but they know they've got a problem, and they intend to stop tomorrow. They intend to stop next week. 
They intend to stop this affair they're having next week, next year, next month. There's always an excuse. Well, at least this wayward son, this prodigal son, got up and did what he said he was going to do. From the context of the story, it appears he immediately said, I'm going to go back. And he walked towards his home with humility. <laughs> he was started out prideful. But now he's, he's humbling himself. Well, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Do you see how the father, the son should be running to the father and begging for mercy? But our God is so good that he will always run to us. If we make a move toward him, he will run to us with open arms. And, you know, when, when, when we've admitted that we're wrong and we're meek, sometimes it's kind of hard, you know. If the father had made him come all the way up to the steps, maybe he would have changed his mind. Maybe he would have turned around, but our God is so good. He has so much grace. He has so much love. He ran to him. Obviously, we're comparing, and you all know this, we're comparing the son to wayward Christians who have backslid, not living for God anymore. And the Father is our Father in heaven who has loves us just like this Father loves his son, unconditionally, always ready to take us back. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's true. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Here he's honoring him with a robe. How incredible is that? Honoring him with a robe. This is such a symbolic thing. In the Old Testament, as we see situations where people are honored with robes over and over again, a ring on his finger to, to, to give him signify honor and that he's no longer spiritually starved. He now is, has a relationship restored and then sandals on his feet that choose the gospel, the peace, such so sim- symbolism. Jesus weaves so much into this parable that's just so thought-provoking and so wonderful and tells us so much. Bring the fat calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We see in the earlier parables where we see that, I tell you, Jesus says in, in the In the first parable of the sheep, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Jesus said, I came to call sinners, not the righteous, the physician, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. So here he is having this feast. If you're out there and and you're lost and you haven't been living for God, he's waiting for you. He'll run to you with open arms, and all of heaven will rejoice. Don't delay. The story is so much in it. And, and an important part that we haven't talked about yet is repentance. This young man has repented. He's realized the error of his ways and said, I've sinned against you, Father. Have mercy on me. Like we see in the story in Luke chapter 18, which we may or may not get to if we have time. Uh, 
That's what God wants. He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't, he doesn't care if you're perfect. He takes your sins as far as, as the east is from the west. If you repent and come back to him, he's there with open arms. It's such a beautiful, beautiful story. A fattened calf, a feast, a robe, a ring, shoes, the gospel of peace. What a wonderful story. But there's another part to it. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the self-righteous, like we see in in chapter 18, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. These are the people that Jesus fought against throughout the Bible. They were the antagonists with Jesus, the protagonist. These are the people in Matthew seven twenty one twenty three who said, Lord, Lord, I've done all these things in your name. And Jesus told them, I, get away from me. I never knew you. Church, we don't need to be judgmental. We don't need to be self-righteous. Matthew 7, 1, don't judge lest you be judged. We need to accept the sinners. We need to accept the tax collectors. We need to accept people that are sick, people that have sinned, people that have done it. When they repent, they come into the house of the Lord. They need to be welcomed with open arms. I was so lucky when I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart to walk into a church that was like that New Covenant Church in Humble. I was so lucky that I was loved. I was shown. It was anything but so many people in the world see Christians as Pharisees, as hypocrites, that's not who Christ is. That's who not, we're not called to be. We're called to not to judge, to love, just like this father did in this wonderful story. Not like the older brother. Don't be the older brother. Don't be judgmental. You know, if you want to join a church that's new, get in on, on the ground floor, if you meet a loving church, come join us Sunday nights in the Heights. New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, we're a church plant. It's not the easiest time, I can tell you, to grow a church in the middle of a pandemic. we got plenty of room. We instituted a new rule this week where our ushers, I mean, our, our greeters are going to be wearing masks. There's plenty of room in our sanctuary to, to, to spread out and socially distance. Because I've gotten some messages about people are worried. It's hard to come into a new environment. It's hard enough to go back to an old church that you've been involved with. But we're, we'll, we're going to be safe, and, and, and there's plenty of room to spread out. But you know what? We had such a wonderful church service last night, and we have people tuning in on Facebook, and that's wonderful. But you don't quite get the feeling of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the congregation coming together, celebrating, praising, and worshiping the Lord We had such a lovely spirit. The Holy Spirit visited us last night, and it's just such a wonderful time we had. We we have that every week where we're all getting to know each other, support each other, just like they did in Acts 2.42, where they all fellowship together and and worship together and were taught together. Come join us. New Covenant Church Greater Sunday nights in the Heights. We meet at 6 p.m. at 240 West 18th Street. We've got a brother that's listening to this broadcast i think for the first time shout out to him and i've got a brother in the congregation that's a veteran and uh is is an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony and uh who's went through some difficult times but has been delivered in our church by the holy spirit has delivered him from his difficulties and this brother needs a car and if you could help him out with a car that you're not using would be greatly appreciated. You can email me at Pastor John at nccgreaterheights.org. If you have a person that's in need from addiction or any other kind of stronghold, that's what we do at our church. We're 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 
Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. So we're involved in ministries, our Break Every Chain ministry. We're involved with the Open Door Mission. We've got anything that you need. Pastor John at nccgreaterheights.org. God not only wants to deliver you from whatever you're dealing with, he wants to restore you. And that's what we're trying to do in our church. So the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Hallelujah. If you've got a relative, someone that you love, your son, your parent, whoever that's that's lost right now, it's never too late for a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants a relationship with them. And he's going to keep chasing them until he gets them. This is just a wonderful, wonderful story. and It's a story that I lived. And so it just speaks to my heart. And so does Luke chapter 18. We thought, said we might get to it. We're going to get to it. The, the parable of the Pharisee, I'm going to have to summarize here, of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the Pharisee goes in and beats his chest and says, I'm so wonderful. I give 10% of everything I make, and I follow all the laws, and I keep everything. And I'm so glad I'm not like that guy down there and points to the tax collector. And the tax collector bows his head, can't even look up, and says, God, please have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you, Lord. I need you, is what he's saying. And Jesus says, this man, referring to the tax collector, the sinner, who realizes that he needs God for anything good in his life, as opposed to that judgmental, self-righteous Pharisee down there, this man, the tax collector, went home justified before God. We need to be, our sermon last week was on pride and humility. James 4, 6, God gives us more and more grace, but he sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace to the humble. Wherever you're at tonight, set aside your pride. Don't look down at people that are new to the church. We're called to make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel to all creation. We're called. This In, in these final days, we're called to go out and and seek people that are lost and bring them into the church. That's what we're trying to do. We need mature Christians in our church. We need people that can equip people. We need disciples. We need people that want to get closer to God, have a closer walk. We want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We want to go out and seek, you know, the same brother that needs the car. He's been going out and and he's obviously struggling financially, but he makes sandwiches and takes them out to the homeless. He's got a heart for God. That's what the heart we need to have. I beg you, don't be like the Pharisee. Don't be like the Pharisee. Be like the son who came home, who came home to his loving, wonderful God. You know, there's another theme throughout this is forgiveness. In Matthew 6 and 14 and 15, Jesus says, if you want your father, again, I'm paraphrasing, if you want your father in heaven to forgive you, then you need to forgive others. So there's these wonderful themes in these stories that are throughout the Bible. Forgiveness. We've got to forgive one another and set things aside. Repentance. God forgives us if we come to him in repentance and say, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to live a better life. I want to make you my Lord and Savior. Pride and humility. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. 
God wants us to be humble, to love one another, to share our love with each other. Don't judge lest you be judged. There are wonderful lessons throughout these products. The Bible is so wonderful. It just just tells us how to live. It's an open book test. It's wonderful. So what we want to seek is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. You only get there with humility, folks. You only get there with humility. We're called to love our God, Lord our God, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another as our our neighbor as ourselves. Those aren't easy things to do. But if we read his word and we really soak in what it means, read this beautiful parable, the parable of the prodigal son. And really think about it each sentence. What does it mean? What is God trying to tell us in this? God wastes nothing. This story is just interweaving with all the so many fundamental precepts and important parts of the Bible, the way God wants us to live. Hey, join us Sunday nights in the Heights, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. I'm going to be exploring this uh, parable in a lot more detail this coming Sunday. Uh, who Luke was, what Christ was trying to deliver in this, why he was hanging out with sinners, what it means in your life. Join us, 240 West 18th Street, 77008, right in the heart of the heights. Again, we'll, you won't meet with any judgment in our church. You'll just be meet with, met with open arms. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.